0: Spiritual formation, What is it? Hope and concern for the Church by Robert Carrillo galatians four nineteen My dear children, for whom I am in again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Spiritual formation has long existed in Christian movements since the church was established. The past four decades have witnessed another rise in spiritual formation practices that transcends most of the many denominations of Christianity today. Spiritual formation and classic disciplines are gradually spreading across our fellowship in the ICOC. Many disciples in the ICOC are testing the waters of spiritual disciplines and adopting perspectives taught and practiced in the culture of formation for the first time. Although deeply rooted in scripture and practices of the early church, Spiritual formation use has fluctuated through the centuries. Though established in the Catholic Church, they were not historically as integrated in Protestant and Evangelical movements until recently. Over the past 50 years, spiritual formation has reemerged and become a significant influence in the broader world of Christendom, spanning a wide range of denominations, even Evangelicals and now the ICOC. The influences of the recent movement of spiritual practices and teachings, now widely referred to simply as spiritual formation, is generally applauded and praised by many Christian leaders, but not everyone. The purpose of this short paper is to explain spiritual formation and examine its importance and impact in the church today, as well as to consider some of the caution and criticisms levied against it. I present in this paper An apologia for spiritual formation in our churches today. It is important to note that this is not an academic paper written for higher education experts. The target audience here is church leaders and pillar members who love the church and wish to see her thrive, who want to see us reflect the glory of God and shine brightly in our suffering world. So first of all, let's begin with what is spiritual formation. Dallas Willard in the Theological Seminary said, It is simply this, the process by which God forms believers into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ruth Haley Barton wrote, Spiritual formation is the process by which Christ is formed in us for the glory of God, for the abundance of our lives, and the sake of others. The Apostle Paul spoke a great deal about spiritual formation. Of course, the term spiritual formation is not in the Bible, but the concept of being formed and transformed is indeed in the Bible. Similarly, the word Bible is not in the Bible, but the idea of Scripture certainly is. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, said, I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. To the church in Rome, he explains that God predestined us all to be conformed into the image of his son. Romans eight twenty nine. Spiritual formation is the intentional focus of spirituality in our lives and the practice of spiritual disciplines that promote and move our hearts and minds forward in the process of transformation into the image of Christ. That's a mouthful. It is how humans spiritually develop through life's many challenges and victories. In Robert Mulholland's book, Invitation to Journey, A Roadmap for Spiritual Formation, he wrote that everyone is in the process of spiritual formation. Quote in other words, we're all spiritual beings and we all are having and developing, maturing, and becoming something or someone. We are being spiritually formed or spiritually malformed and in some cases, even deformed. Spiritual formation is the intentional approach to developing our spiritual our spirit into the image of Christ. Dallas Willard, a key figure in the modern resurgence of spiritual formation, said, Spiritual formation in a Christian tradition answers the specific human question, what kind of person am I going to be? It is the process of establishing the character of Christ in the person end quote. What you are is God's gift to you, what you become is your gift to God. Hans Urs van Balthasar. Paul explains in his letter to disciples in Corinth that we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, second Corinthians three eighteen. Spirituality is not static. It is a dynamic journey in which we are meant to move forward in our spiritual development continuously. We are baptized into the Kingdom of God, but our hearts and minds must be transformed out of the worldly thoughts and feelings Paul describes as corruption to establish the kingdom of God within us. This is a lifelong process as we develop and grow spiritually. The Hebrew writer warns us to make sure we are expanding into maturity and not stuck in the elementary truths hebrews five eleven through fourteen and six one through three the Apostle Peter inspires us to grow so that we may participate in the divine nature and to keep adding to our faith in order to keep from becoming quote-unquote ineffective and unproductive. 2 Peter 1.5-8 We dare not settle, peak, or plateau in our Christian life. It's a sad truth that for many disciples their most significant growth period was their first six months as a Christian after that initial growth they tended to settle in and remain in a functional plateau many disciples today have ceased to grow or grow very little in many years this becomes apparent when they encounter challenges and lack of the spirit, lack the spirituality to overcome the challenges we are all intended to continually be transformed as we reach the fullness of christ Paul explains that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12.2. Spiritual formation is the process of developing the mind, the heart, and the soul leading towards maturity in Christ. This can, can involve practicing many spiritual disciplines that promote spiritual transformation and growth. These practices create space for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts throughout our entire lives. Practicing spiritual disciplines requires allotting and protecting time, focus, and attention to our spiritual needs. There are many terms used today, including forming, soul care, contemplative living, modern monasticism, the disciplines, rule of life, or even simply spiritual maturity. They all have to do with addressing the need of our souls. Jesus said, What good is it to gain the whole world and yet forfeit our souls? Mark 8.36 The awareness of our soul's spiritual needs, our hunger, and thirst has driven many followers to the spiritual disciplines to fulfill their hunger and quench their thirst. The contemplative life and spiritual disciplines open doors for the spirit to work powerfully in a follower's lives. A review of the lives of many great biblical figures such as Moses, David, Paul, the apostles, and especially Jesus, reveals a devotion to these practices. Spiritual disciplines include a wide range of practices, both ancient and new, that help the practitioner be transformed into the image of Christ. A Brief History of Spiritual Formation Practices There are many spiritual practices that developed over the past 4,000 years of Judeo-Christian history. The classic disciplines we find throughout scripture include prayer, meditation, contemplation, fasting, hospitality, Sabbath, and service. Practices we observe in Scripture in the lives of Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets. Jesus set us an example as he regularly retreated to solitary places for prayer and communion with God. He reminded the people that God's house was a house of prayer and taught the apostles how to pray with authenticity and sincerity. We see them participating in scheduled prayer times and even protecting the spiritual disciplines in Acts 6, where they said it would not be right to neglect prayer ministry of the Word to wait on tables. They did not allow the busyness of church needs and people's demands to take away from their spiritual practices. Like Mary, they chose what was better and would not let it be taken from them. Important lessons for church leaders today. Early Christians were known to have regular days during the week for fasting as well. These biblical priorities and practices have spawned many adaptive rhythms and rules of life through the ages from the church fathers and mothers, spiritual leaders, and monastic movements. With practices such as Lectio Divina, Ignatian Examen, Pilgrimage, and many more, they are practices often proven in promoting spiritual development throughout history. Recent discoveries through the sciences have added to our understanding and appreciation of practices like meditation, gratitude, awe, retreating, and fasting. We live in exciting times where new fields such as neurotheology have captured the attention of scientists and theologians alike. A convergence of psychology, physics, biology, and theology never before dreamed of is occurring right now. The disciplines and practices have in common that they are tools that help our hearts, minds, and souls to be transformed into maturity and Jesus' likeness. They deepen spiritual relationships and help us achieve greater intimacy with God. They are are the fulfillment of Jesus' command, make disciples and teach them to obey everything. That word obey or tēro in Greek. They accomplish this by engendering a stronger, deeper connection for disciples with the Holy Spirit to continue transformational work of maturation. They stimulate spiritual prioritization, a lifestyle of spiritual rhythms centered around Jesus, following the Holy Spirit and intimacy with God. They are evident in a person's life and a church's fellowship through the abundance of the fruits of the Spirit. They enable the church to be a light to the world and to bear good fruit that lasts. Recent Developments The recent resurgence of spiritual formation can be traced back to the Vatican II Council, 1962-65, to which returned the focus of spiritual disciplines as a method to train young priests preparing for the ministry. Renewed focus on spirituality and disciplines was adopted by the Association of Theological Schools, which opened the door to seminaries and theological schools in the Protestant world in the 1970s. The Protestant ecclesiology of the priesthood of all believers expanded the dissemination of disciplines to all church members, not just clergy. In 1978, Richard Foster, a Quaker theologian, published Celebration of Discipline, a popular study of the disciplines and introduction to spiritual formation. Another important figure of the modern spiritual formation movement, Henry Nouwen, a Dutch Catholic priest and author, wrote extensively on spiritual disciplines and their role in spiritual growth. The current spiritual formation movement emphasizes the importance of intentional spiritual practices, such as prayer, meditation, silence, solitude, scripture reading, practice, and service, as a means of growing closer to God and deepening one's faith. This spiritual movement has spread across denominational lines and is embraced by a wide range of Christians across evangelical, Protestant, Orthodox, and Catholic traditions. The experiential nature of spiritual disciplines is somewhat foreign to the rationality of the Restoration Movement. In the ICOC, very few have ventured into the practices of spiritual disciplines to discover the treasure of deeper spirituality until recently. There exists a growing hunger among older boomer Christians, millennials, and Gen Z for a richer experiential spirituality. Steve Kennard's DPI book series, The Way of the Heart, began exposing many Christians to spiritual formation long before we were ready. Today, there's a growing list of teachers and pillar disciples who are themselves practicing the disciplines and teaching and training those interested in spiritual development. Numerous leaders are pursuing advanced degrees in spiritual, spirituality and formation. Many evang- evangelists and elders are beginning to read some of the spiritual formation bestsellers and experiencing their own spiritual transformations. Michelle and I, Robert, have started an online ministry called The Way with hopes of providing introduction and resources for spiritual formation to all disciples around the world in English and Spanish. Use of the website is spreading rapidly. Recently, in 2023, we began hosting online webinars promoting spiritual disciplines and healthy spirituality. Over 2,000 disciples from around the globe have attended the first few webinars. Today, over 5,000 individuals, mostly from the ICOC, have visited the online ministry. Many church leaders, both ministers and elders, are discovering the value of formation In the ICOC, a growing number of mature disciples, ministers, counselors, and psychologists have received specialized training in establishing themselves as spiritual directors and spiritual coaches. This is a rising and important role in the church today that is pregnant with potential for building healthy churches in the future. Church leadership teams are discovering and recognizing the need for sabbaticals, Sabbath observance and spiritual renewed efforts and contemplative practices. The hunger and thirst for deeper, richer intimacy with God is palpable in our fellowship. As we mature in age, we must mature in spirituality. Ephesians 1.17 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Why is it important today? Resiliency, inspired or tired? We begin with the leaders. Recent data collected by the Barna Research Center reveal that burnout rate of pastors has reached crisis levels in America over the past few years. The poll discovered 38% of pastors were considering leaving the ministry permanently. Even worse, only 35% who participated consider themselves spiritually healthy. According to the studies by Alban Institute and Fuller Seminary a while back, 50% of ministers drop out of ministry within the first five years, and many never go back to church again. A Duke University study found that 85% of seminary graduates entering the ministry leave within five years, and 90% of all pastors will not stay to retirement. Many of these leaders suffer from stress and anxiety caused by years of overworking, lack of self-care, and the recent rise of political and social tensions. The debilitating trifecta of burnout, compassion fatigue, and vicarious traumatization have affected many ministers and pastors and elders. Within the ICOC fellowship, the number are not much better than the evangelical world. A recent poll conducted by the Church and Minister Health Committee revealed that 22% of ministers feel ministry has had a negative impact on them. 21% of ministers reported wanting to quit the full-time ministry, but feel they cannot due to financial needs. 22% 22% feel they are rarely happy, and 50% feel ministry has impacted the quality of their family life. Of those who wish to leave the ministry, burnout, compassion, fatigue, and vicarious stress are cited as the, as the primary reasons. These numbers are alarming and extremely concerning. Because the studies were done anonymously, they reveal truths that are not normally shared or visible. Of the ICOC leaders polled, 53% report that they are experiencing moderate levels of burnout. In my own experience traveling around the world, working with both hope leaders and church leaders, I found many of them suffering from the trifecta. Many good-hearted, devoted disciples of Jesus are hanging in there, trying not to be crushed or destroyed by the weight of leadership and responsibility. These are not weak Christians. They are dutiful, responsible, and loyal leaders who simply do not know how to properly take care of their souls. They are spiritually malnourished and malformed. As global statistics reveal alarming rates of stress, anxiety, and depression, ministers and leaders are on the front lines of this assault. In this paper, I am focused on ministry leaders, but in fact, this reality is true for many lay leaders and older disciples in the church as well. Luke 11:34 Your eyes the lamp of your body when your eyes are healthy your whole body also is full of light but when they are unhealthy your body is also full of darkness see to it then that the light within you is not darkness spiritual formation teaches and trains leaders to work in the light and easy yoke of Jesus Matthew 11:28 Formation teaches the rhythms necessary to live life focused on Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual formation helps them to create the time and space needed for their souls to find rest and to be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened. The spiritual practices and disciplines open the mind and the heart to receive the powerful, ineffable grace of God that refreshes their souls. The disciplines open their eyes that they may see the burning bush and open their ears to hear the dental whisper of God. This level of spiritual understanding reveals to our innermost being the truths needed to overcome the trifecta and and empowers them to live life to the full as promised by Jesus. Formation, teaching, and training helps them to move along the spiritual stages of development to the most exciting and meaningful stages of maturity and reach fullness in Christ. Formation answers the fundamental questions of identity, purpose, meaning, and value with truth and love. My wife and I have worked with the spiritual development of over 50 church leaders in the ICOC from different ministries around the world in Asia, Africa, Latin America, and the U.S. We frequently encounter spiritual fatigue to the point of exhaustion and burnout. The frequent response to the coaching is joy, excitement, renewal, and deep encouragement. Formation, teaching, training, and practice allows the Holy Spirit to refresh their souls in exciting and life-giving ways. It is vitally important that the church be led by spirit-filled leaders. Resiliency. Inspired or tired, the members. A recent study by the Barna Group revealed that many churches suffered a 30% decline in their memberships through the pandemic. This decline has been a sad truth for decades. The decline of church attendance is well-documented in many religious social studies. For the first time in modern U.S. and much of Western history, the majority of people in many Western countries do not belong to or attend church regularly. A recent Barna article stated that every Sunday, 400 churches close their doors in America. Here in the ICOC, the retention rate of members has been deeply concerning. According to ICOC annual statistics, Four out of five members do not endure past their first 10 years. Despite the many baptisms, growth rates are stocking, are shockingly low due to poor retention. We are a movement that excelled in making disciples and baptizing them, but have been terribly weak in teaching and training them to practice the way of Jesus long term. We have a clear and fairly effective first principles series for converting people, but almost nothing for their spiritual development over the years and decades afterwards we have incorrectly assumed that they will find their own way in fact most will lose their way or find a way outside the icoc many have left our fellowship in search of deeper teaching and training the success of the bema bema broadcast in our fellowship is a testimony to the hunger and thirst among many mature members our people are hungering and thirsting for the knowledge of God in recent years political social and medical challenges have overwhelmed many members as well as leaders high levels of anxiety stress and depression have skyrocketed across the US in the last decade many countries are experiencing alarming rates of stress and anxiety the church has not been immune to the challenges the world faces furthermore force Forces that polarize society in the secular world have made significant inroads into the church and discouraged many leaders and members alike. Social tensions have led to many members leaving the church the past few years. In my research and experience, I have observed that there exists a strong correlation between the impact of social issues and the level of spirituality present in the hearts of members. The spiritually strong are simply not tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching. Those who are spiritually shallow or weak are easily entangled in the affairs of the world. This is not to say that only the weak are interested in social issues. Rather, it is that, strong, that the strong are far better equipped to deal with them spiritually. The stress and anxiety caused by many recent issues has been overwhelming for many members and leaders alike. The Barna Group has well documented these added stress points as significant cause behind ministers and members of leaving their ministries healthy spiritual development is essential to long-term sustainable church growth many church members should increase should increase resiliency through the years but the reality is that many members are lost in the middle stages of spiritual development a wealth of knowledge is available concerning how people grow spiritually through stages the stages are well-researched and documented in books like The Critical Journey by Hagbert and Gulich. There are many models to choose from that offer life-giving guidance. Understanding these stages is essential to helping disciples through their lifelong spiritual journey. As disciples age and mature, the need for wisdom and spirituality becomes extremely necessary. Unfortunately, in many cases, the disciple, quote-unquote, has not been trained or shown the way into spiritual maturity either. One cannot teach what one does not know, and thus we fall into the trap of the blind leading the blind. The later stages of spiritual development require a great deal of wisdom, skill, and insight to navigate. Spiritual deserts, walls, and dark nights of the soul experiences are common occurrence in spiritual development. Today, these stages are often incorrectly diagnosed as simply deconstruction and mistreated. This causes unnecessary tension that are often the root cause of many problems in the church, including membership exodus. Spiritual formation trains disciples to navigate the pitfalls and help others in their journey. In the compendium of wisdom and spiritual knowledge found in spiritual formation circles, there exists amazing resources for training which we can and must avail ourselves in order to grow spiritually as well as numerically. Intentional spiritual training in the church increases resiliency and decreases the loss of members. For centuries, spiritual directors fulfilled an important role in church health and well-being. As a form of teachers, they offered the necessary training that helped leaders reach the fullness of Christ that Paul describes in Ephesians. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Ephesians 4.12 Retention and Motivation The ICOC as, as a fellowship is now entering its fifth decade The majority of members range from 20 to 40 years in the faith. Most of the leaders have been in in the church 35 to 45 years. Many of these older members have grown through the initial stages of spiritual development and now hunger for deeper, mature teaching needed in the latter stages. It is not simply that they are tired, bored, or lack vision. They sincerely crave and need mature teaching. They need teaching that helps them to add to their faith and discover the power of maturity in Christ at every, at ever-increasing levels. Without it, they succumb to Peter's warning of becoming ineffective and unproductive in their for faith, 1 Peter 1.19. These important teachings and training for older Christians exist in spiritual formation circles, but is mostly unknown by most ICOC leadership. Our training generally did not include spiritual development. Even many Bible programs offered in seminaries offer little or no spiritual development training in the past. Thankfully, that is changing dramatically as the impact is becoming widely recognized. In 2017, LifeWay surveyed young adults aged between 18 and 22 who had attended church regularly for at least a year during high school. The firm found that 7 out of 10 had stopped attending church regularly that's a quote a new ramp many of us presently in leadership grew up spiritually during the last gasp of the modern christian era and have watched the birth of the postmodern post-christian era our children who are culturally millennials and gen z live in a strikingly different world that does not appreciate or accept the traditional approaches church life of uh, church life and church culture Many are generally hostile to much of Christianity's precepts, yet remarkably also sensitive to spiritual needs. The challenges represented by the social religious shift from boomers to millennials and now Gen Z is well documented and now documented and now common knowledge among most church leaders. What is frequently missed is the evidence that points out a growing spiritual hunger. Gen Z is particularly interested in spirituality even while they are not drawn to traditional church settings. Unfortunately, this is often misread as simply not being open to all things spiritual. They are well known to be aware of their stress levels, loneliness, and need for meaning and purpose. Only 45% of Gen Z feel confident about their mental health. This is remarkably lower than previous generations. A recent study revealed that 73% of Gen Z polled actually desire to grow spiritually. Spiritual formation presents a direct connection to God through relationships and experiences. This does not nullify in any way the importance of church, but it does circumvent many of the issues presented in a traditional church setting that discourage younger people. It's far easier to deal with the challenges of church life once established and rooted in the love of God and Jesus Christ. In modern Christianity, the church was the entrance to a relationship with God. Therefore, a positive church image is a welcoming invitation. But increasingly, churches and church culture are actually a huge negative to overcome. To begin the spiritual journey directly with Jesus, God, or the Holy Spirit, is more what we actually see in the book of Acts. The apostles and the 120 who were well-connected long before they ever attended a church service. In fact, Jesus never set foot in what we consider a church service. Let me reiterate that this does not in any any way eliminate the importance of the ecclesia community. It merely provides a direct on-ramp to the kingdom of God. Spiritual formation renews, reaffirms, and restores faith. It challenges the practitioner to grow and to keep adding to their faith. It reminds us not to settle into routines or traditions, but to mature in Christ. It moves the young and old forward through stages of spiritual development. The young find inspiration in discovering a direct path to God. It provides a means to circumnavigate the obstacles of traditional Christianity that are plaguing churches in today's world. It is much better to tackle the world filled with the Holy Spirit than trying to navigate the myriad of issues on our own. Spiritual perspectives bring clarity and healthy perspective to the issues harassing our world today. For many young people, spiritual formation is an exciting new way to approach religion. It is about discovery instead of tradition. For the most part, it is not the religion of their grandparents or even parents, although the message and practice is actually ancient. For them, it is new. In my experience, the two groups who most respond to spiritual formation are older disciples of Jesus and young people starting their lives. Now the concerns. Having shared some of the benefits of spiritual formation, we now examine some of the possible pitfalls, as well as some of the criticisms levied against spiritual formation. There are a number of questions that have been presented to me over the past few years as honest concerns regarding spiritual formation. These questions are valid and worthy of consideration and investigation. Like anything, when used incorrectly, spiritual formation can have a negative effect. A hammer is a prize tool when building a home, However, used incorrectly can cause great damage. Religion itself, when correctly practiced, is life giving and soul saving, but when practiced incorrectly, can be toxic and severely damaging. With that in mind, we are cautioned not to approach spiritual formation as some fad administered by the well intentioned, but ignorant leaders. The premise of this discussion is correct teaching and practice of spiritual formation. The highlights this highlights the fact that spiritual formation should be introduced by those who are trained, educated, and have experience as practitioners over time. Here are some important reflections on the common concerns. Number one, does spiritual formation cause disciples to become self-centered and self-focused? A key element of spiritual formation includes self-examination self-awareness. Spiritual formation is certainly a journey of revelation with much of that involving self-revelation. As we delve into the truth about God, we are confronted with our own weaknesses and our sinful nature. The purpose of spiritual formation is to help a person develop into the image of Christ. The forming, of, the forming part of spiritual formation is transforming into the heart and mind and spirit of Jesus. Jesus was certainly not self-focused or self-centered. Spiritual formation does, does cause a person to be more self-aware, but with the positive goal of being transformed into his likeness. The self-awareness potentially could cause someone to be consumed with their newfound self-knowledge, but that would certainly be a mistake and never the intention of spiritual formation. Becoming like Jesus and attaining sensitivity to the Spirit of God are foundational to spiritual formation. The awareness gained in spiritual formation tends to give a person a broader awareness of humanity, humility with others, and awareness of substantial need for Jesus and the gospel. The most important development in practicing formation is growth in love for God and for one's neighbor. Does spiritual formation foster unhealthy obsession with self-care? As explained above, formation causes a person to become more like Jesus. Jesus did not advocate self-care per se, but he did advocate soul care and of course love. Although sometimes confused, they are not the same. Soul care is primarily focused on spiritual well-being, while self-care can easily become focused on the pursuit of happiness and self-fulfillment. Although there is some overlap, they can point in very different directions. Self-care can easily drift into selfishness, but soul care never does. Some who are seeking self-care in their pursuit of happiness will be drawn to spiritual formation because of the self-care element but they are soon put off by the deeper elements that include suffering, sacrifice, and self-denial. Question number three. Does spiritual formation detract from the mission? Because spiritual formation is transformation into the image of Christ, sensitivity and awareness to the needs of others increases dramatically in practitioners. Those who practice the spiritual disciplines grow, grow in sympathy, compassion, and mercy. This organically and authentically inspires disciples to care deeply about the mission. Disciples who are no longer inspired by numbers, goals, and evangelism proclamations become insistent about the good news of the gospel. Spiritual formation replenishes and ignites faith so that disciples have an exciting faith to share with others. Far too many disciples today have lost their excitement about their faith. They entropy to simply inviting people to church that they do not feel very excited about. Good-hearted, dutiful Christians keep evangelizing out of obligation and responsibility, even when they lose heart. Formation reignites discovery of God and makes faith exciting again. People who are excited about God and personal transformation tend to naturally share with everyone around them. I've seen many older Christians return to the excitement and passion they had as young Christians. They shine and are truly a light to the world that so desperately needs the light of God number 4 does spiritual formation foster deconstruction of the church deconstruction is a well researched and documented phase of human development although the term is not always well is not always used we all know that everyone passes through this important phase of life ask any preteen parent or middle school teacher about the, this phase of life they are quite familiar with deconstruction it oftentimes can be destructive and counterproductive when channeled by merely emotions and immaturity. When guided by spiritual direction, deconstruction can lead disciples to deeper, stronger faith and convictions. Anyone who has involved themselves in a system for a prolonged period of time will eventually become aware of the flaws and even suffer the inherent weaknesses and errors of the organization. This is true of all systems and organizations, be they religious, social, or political. How they process, manage, and ultimately react to the negative information they realize depends greatly on their spiritual, spiritual maturity. How they process wounds received in the church depends greatly on their spirituality. All churches are prone to people hurting each other because all people are sinners and churches are full of them. Spiritual formation guides disciples of Jesus by linking their hearts and minds of the Holy Spirit of the Lord With eyes, minds, and hearts set on Jesus, they are far better equipped to deal with errors and hurts from the past. They are strengthened in their ability to forgive each other, be compassionate, gracious, and kind. These are fruits of the Spirit. This enables them to love with the kind of love that covers a multitude of sin and never fails. Formation exposes each person to their own weaknesses and flaws so as to make it difficult to judge or condemn others. Self-awareness simply makes it much easier to forgive others, including those who hurt us in the past. Spirit-led processing is essential in order to heal past wounds, bad theology, and fully understand God's mercy, love, and grace. In this way, church can become the kingdom of God with all its benefits. Without this, church is just an institution problematic at best. Does spiritual formation open the door to progressive Christianity, false teachings, and Eastern influence? Question number five. Our world is changing dramatically. There are many alternative forms of Christianity available for the seeker to choose from. This is nothing new. It is frightening for many leaders who are trying to protect the flock from many false teachings available. There is a concern among some critics that spiritual formation opens the door for liberal theology or progressive Christianity. There is a fear that it can give rise to Christian universalism universalism, that disregards Scripture as the authority replacing it with emotional arguments based on popular trends and philosophies. What has come to be labeled as progressive Christianity tends toward elevating experience and emotion above Scripture. It tends to shy away from teaching on sin, hell, or any other tough subjects that society might reject, sometimes in the name of enlightenment and sometimes in the name of relevancy. Let me say that I believe these concerns are valid. There are a few uh, authors among the formation writers who seem to lean heavily towards a universalist stance. Likewise, there are many authors in all biblical studies and theology who lean towards liberal and others who lean towards conservative. The Church must faithfully hold Scripture as the ultimate authority over all tradition and social-humanistic arguments. Everything we teach and practice should always be tethered to Scripture. Spiritual formation holds Scripture in the highest regard as sacred. All of the classic dis- spiritual disciplines are rooted in Scripture. Spiritual discipline practices such as Lexio Divinus, Scripture meditation, recitation, and contemplation impress the bible on disciples hearts in the deepest way formation trains disciples to live in obedience to jesus his teachings as recorded in scripture today the church is searching for a new identity that is faithful to its mission and purpose while being relevant to the modern world we are currently in a time of great change that makes many people nervous often for valid reasons as always there is some who resist all change and seek security and tradition, and there are others who recklessly abandon history and tradition, floating off into populist trend-filled oblivion. Most of us are somewhere in the middle, in between the extremes, searching and seeking God's direction for the future, while remaining faithful to Scripture and attempting to be in step with the Holy Spirit. This means we must learn to navigate trends, doctrines, dogmas, and spiritual development well. Any Bible student pursuing advanced theological training knows that there will be authors who may be brilliant in one area, yet fail to understand what they might consider fundamental doctrine in another area. Spiritual growth and education requires that we discern and test the spirits, but not live in fear of all things new. This is why many biblical experts miss the coming of Jesus. We must learn to enjoy catfish by picking out the bones. Requiring absolute uniformity of theology and doctrine as it was in the past is never a good idea. It generally guarantees a wedge between older and younger generations. Our own movement was born out of the frustrations of young people trying to get older leaders to change. We are part of the restoration movement, which by definition means we are continually evolving and changing. I remember when we did not allow any instruments or even clapping in the church. Thank God we outgrew that. I also remember some leaving the church because we started practicing those things. This is not to say that we can abandon or caution we can abandon caution. Of course not. We must be wise and spiritual and led by the Spirit always. It's important to note that sometimes new teachings threaten church traditions and cultures more than biblical principles. Jesus often clashed with religious culture, but never with the word of God. Our cultural lenses attach sentiment to many things that have nothing to do with actual Bible teaching. For example, some might feel meditation is an Eastern religious influence, and another might feel that it's too Catholic, even though David did so in Psalms and Jesus did so in the gospels. Some personalities are drawn to whatever's new and creative, while others tend to be highly suspicious of such things. Jesus often challenged God's people to think differently and certainly presented new ideas that were, in reality, ancient. He was accused many times of violating scripture and teaching heresies. The Apostle Paul in Athens demonstrated remarkable creativity when he presented the gospel to to the Greek intellects at the Areopagus in Acts 17. He preached the gospel of God, yet did not use scripture, nor did he ever use the name Jesus. I doubt anyone would accuse Paul of liberalism or progressive Christianity. Yet, like Paul, we seek to make sure our preaching aligns with the Holy Spirit and the teachings of the apostles in Jerusalem. As Richard Foster explained, in order to relate to the world, we may change the clothing of the church, but never the heart or body. The church of Jesus faces many challenges from the outside world that are easily identifiable, but also less conspicuous threats from within. Liberal theology, progressive Christianity, universalism, denominationalism, traditionalism, Christian nationalism, legalism, hypocrisy, and narcissism all function like cancers that have the potential to deform the body of Christ. They represent a wide spectrum of perspectives and leanings. It is essential that we practice healthy, mature hermeneutics in all things, especially in any practices we involve the church. If it does not make us more like Jesus, it is not true to the goal of the spiritual formation. Spiritual formation strengthens the orthodox teachings of the Bible as well as the work of the Holy Spirit. The Very Real Impact of Spiritual Formation After several years of training young and older Christians in basic spiritual formation principles and practices, I have been afforded a view of the general effects across the strata of our fellowship. In my doctoral work, I have closely observed the impact of spiritual formation. Using retreats, workshops, eight-week training sessions, and private spiritual direction, I have documented a general rise in faith, confidence, wellness, zeal, and excitement in many individuals. I have seen older and tired Christians transform like young Christians, joyfully disseminating their newfound intimacy with God. They can't hide their excitement about Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in their souls. They are anything but self-centered and inward-focused. They become hyper-focused on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at new, enthusing levels. They do things that might, some might consider strange, like wandering off to the mountains, the beach, or the desert to be with God for several days. They spend hours in prayer and communion with God in ways others only dream of. They read their Bibles with almost giddy excitement and find great joy in memorizing and repeating Scripture. They read not for information, but rather transformation. They seek not so much to accomplish more, but rather to be more. In being more, they have far more impact on those around them. They are renewed and restored emotionally, spiritually, and even physically as zeal fills their hearts, minds, and souls. They cannot help but to talk about what they are discovering. Their evangelism does not come from duty or responsibility, but rather from the overflow of their joy and excitement. They are eager to share the good news they discover with friends and family. They realize God's love, mercy, and goodness in new and exciting depths. The difference is that now these discoveries are confirmed through years of practice and experience. They are humbled by the knowledge and understanding they acquire in reading, studying, and contemplating that reveals their own frailty, weakness, and sinful nature. They are sobered by the challenges of spiritual battle and yet empowered by their awareness of God's presence. They carry a burden of concern for their spiritual family who are wandering in the desert of despair and depression. They work through the wounds, challenges, and deconstruction with the help of the Holy Spirit. They lament for those wrestling with discouragement and disillusion in the fellowship. They wrestle with their responsibility and desire to help the spiritual family. I know and see th- this impact through many discussions with students of all ages and my personal testimony. Church historian and theologian Phyllis Tickle offered a theory of historical change, the future of Christianity. Every 500 years, the church and Christianity has undergone a massive change. At the end of the 5th century, the Roman Empire was falling and the Middle East was being cut off from Europe by doctrine and the end of Pax Romana. Christianity became a European-centric religion. 500 years later, Christianity experienced the finalization of the Great Schism between East and West. The church became two distinct groups, Orthodox and Catholic. Fast forward another 500 years, and we find Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses on the doors of Wittenberg in 1517. This unleashed events that led to Protestant explosion, which transformed the Christian landscape, and millions of people concept of church and christianity now 500 years later christianity and our concept of church is experiencing another major overhaul denominational christianity is disappearing and experimental christianity abounds the traditional churches are rapidly declining and ministry as a vocation is declining a vision jesus said to the apostles that there would be that they would do even greater things than what they had participated in thus far. It would have been hard for them to imagine even greater things than what they had seen Jesus do. Our world is rapidly and dramatically changing. What it will look like in 30 years is unknown. There are things happening today that no one would have dreamt of 30 years ago. What we do know is the church of Jesus will not be overcome by the gates of Hades and will continue to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. An exciting potential exists, especially now, for advancing Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God. Only a few hundred years ago, Christianity was so corrupted that it was thought to be the act of right, an act of righteousness for a Catholic to kill a Protestant, or a Protestant to kill a Catholic. Only 200 years ago, churches in America taught that slavery was of God. Just 100 years ago, churches of Christ were taught that musical instruments were the devil's influence. Of course, none of these teachings were of the Holy Spirit or founded in Scripture. In fact, with every generation and significant shift, the church has shed some of its corruption and ignorance. The Book of Acts is the story of how the Holy Spirit pushed and challenged the early church to drop their prejudice against Gentiles and let go of their Jewish dogmatism, clouding and distorting the gospel. It is the story of truth and love revealing and unleashing the kingdom of God. Like the first century church, we have this same potential in the 21st century. We have the opportunity to sh- today to shed the prejudice, dogmatism, and unhealthy theology of denominationalism and learn to love and live holy lives, attaining the full measure of Christ. Every significant forward movement in Christianity was preceded by a period of deconstruction. The results have been amazing when led by spiritual men and women who heed the prophetic call, hear the gentle whisper, and see the burning bush. In our hearts, we all know God is not finished with us yet. We are not yet fully derived or fully developed, nor is his kingdom fully established. Many treasures of the kingdom and life to the full are still ahead, presenting an exciting and compelling future for the devoted and faithful. Our prayer continues, His kingdom come, His will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The world does not need another charismatic leader or a new organization, or even another way to do church. It desperately needs men and women who walk humbly with God. The goal and purpose of spiritual formation is to help us navigate this sacred journey of discipleship. Final Conclusions quote by richard foster spiritual disciplines can do nothing they can only get us where something can be done spiritual formation practices and principles are not a magic potion silver bullet or solution to the church's woes today they help us connect they help connect us all to the lord who is the way the truth and the life they provide pathways to jesus an ongoing connection with the Holy Spirit. For older Christians, they provide renewal. For the young, they provide new and exciting pathways to God. When practiced correctly, they are vehicles to maturity and the power of an indestructible life. Spiritual formation unlocks biblical treasures that open our understanding and awareness of God and our role in His creation. They help us to become what we were created to be, the Imago Dei, The disciplines and teachings connect disciples to greater knowledge of God that releases the power and miracles of God. Spiritual formation teaches us to create the space and inspires practices that unbridle the Holy Spirit. For many disciples, it rekindles the joy and excitement and discovery in the same way they experienced as young Christians. They open our eyes and ears to capture a greater compelling vision for ourselves, even while revealing the depths of our sins and weaknesses. Deeper spirituality is both profoundly humbling and authentically inspiring. Formation helps us process and progress in our spiritual journey from a fear and shame-based relationship with God to a love and truth-based relationship characterized by mercy, justice, and humility. They help us all to travel the stages of spiritual development to reach fullness and confidence in Christ. When practiced consistently with intentionality, the spiritual disciplines foster ineffable epiphanies of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and our souls. This spiritual journey takes us on a path where Christian life becomes more glorious through the years. This starkly contrasts, this starkly contrasts the experience of many disciples. Who after 30, 40 years or more, when Christianity, where they they stop growing and become dull, ineffective, unproductive, even bored. For many, the old sermons and elementary truths do not inspire, transform, or ignite the souls they once did. The zeal and passion they they may once lived in dissolves at best into a dutiful loyalty or worse, they just simply walk away. Growing spirituality is paramount to experiencing the life to the full that Jesus promised. It is paramount to fulfilling both the Great Commission and the Greatest Commandment. Contrary to what what some would argue, the world is thirsty and hungry for spiritual nourishment. The fields are ripe for harvest and the world needs inspired disciples who see Jesus and hear the gentle whisper. Spiritual formation is surrendering control to the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants His church back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for considering the importance of spiritual formation in our church today. God bless you.